Father in heaven, we thank you for the great privilege of being here together, and we just ask your spirit to guide and direct us today as we uh, continue on this preparation process for the meetings coming up this fall. We ask your Holy Spirit to guide our thoughts now, and we come in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we want to talk a little bit today about uh, organizational meeting, and this is a very important thing I think that a lot of people miss and don't do. Uh, but all along the way, you've been meeting with your team members, you've been orchestrating things, you've been preparing things, you've been you know, talking to people from the front, doing training, but then you want to do kind of a final run-through, kind of a, um, a preparation of the preparation, so to speak. And you want to meet together about one week to two, no, I wouldn't even say two weeks, about one week to ten days before the meetings begin. And it's very important that you do this because this is where everybody kind of comes together and you walk through everything and you don't want to do it too far out from the meetings because you don't want it people to forget what happened and whatnot, but you don't want to do it really the night before the meetings either because if there's something you missed, or there's something you have to change or address, you want to have some time to be able to do that, okay? So I recommend typically about a week before the meetings is usually the best. Sometimes the calendar doesn't allow, you may need to do 10 days or even if you can, even if you can a week, but you can do three or four days ahead of time, very important to do that. So here are some of the things that I cover in that meeting. It's very important that you, that you don't get too detailed. In other words, you don't want to go through every nuance of every department, such as registration. You don't want to talk about every minute detail, but you want a broad stroke of that, okay? So I, I usually go over some very general things first, and then I let the departments talk about uh, what they're going to do. So I will be posting this on the website as well. So we'll typically have a prayer and welcome. What you don't want to do is have you know, a 25-minute devotional, okay, because people are already waxing. I just do a quick prayer and a welcome, and we get started right away. And so what I often like to share is a summary of the meeting and what's happened so far. You know, I just kind of talk about what we've done for advertising. Maybe, you know, you've got some testimonies of people who are already signed up, pre-registered. You know, maybe you went door-to-door and you met somebody who was super excited about the meeting and I'll tell a few of those just to kind of get the people pretty stirred up and excited about it. Um, I think it's always important to continue to share testimonies. And then um, I'll talk a little bit about the, the volunteers and that we're all volunteers and how much we appreciate those, everybody basically, who are church members, who are supporting and participating in that meeting. Um, and we want to thank them for their time and their service and their sacrifice. But really, it's a joy. Amen. Uh, we're not doing this because it's a sacrifice. We're doing it because we're compelled by the love of Christ to win our fellow man to Him. And so I remind people that, you know, sometimes people say, well, we come to evangelistic meetings and we always he hear the same sermons, the same topics. Well, that's our message. That's our fundamental message. And we have to remind people that these evangelistic meetings are not specifically like a week of prayer. They're not specifically designed for church members. Although church members are blessed, every time we hear the messages, we're revived and we're drawn closer to the Lord. 
But the preacher is not crafting these sermons and designing them to reach the hearts of Adventists. They're reaching the hearts of the visitors, right? Amen. And we want to remind them that visitors will be coming to the meetings because you know, we're advertising, inviting, and so forth. And how they see us is how they'll see Jesus. Amen? So we want to remind the members that uh, this is not a time to get grouchy with people or to you know, guard the seat you've sat in for 30 what's, what's years. What's the right or... time to get grouchy? What's that? What's the right time to get grouchy? <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, we want to get grouchy at the devil, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> but... Um, you know, I, I remember a couple years ago we had a Unlock Revelation in the church I was pastoring, and, and this one lady said, you know, this one man came in on the very first night, and he sat in the, in the seat of the church where I've always sat. And she said, I almost went right up to him and asked him to move, but she said, but I didn't. I just went up and sat beside him. <laughs> and I said, praise the Lord. And you would be amazed what happened with that. Because this lady began to attend and sit beside this man every, every night. <clears throat> and this man uh, began to make decisions for Christ. His life began to be transformed. And it took him over a year and a half to be ready for baptism. But he came to church every week and he still sat in her chair unknowingly for a year and a half that he was in her chair. And, and she began to invite him over for Sabbath lunch every week with her family that was there. And her and her daughter began to give this man Bible studies as they went through, and eventually he was baptized. And then they went through the discipleship handbook together. When they got through that, they started going through the Desire of Ages together. And it was just a miraculous thing. And so, you know, we want to just constantly encourage the people. These may be your friends for eternity. Amen? Amen. And make sure that we, we tell and remind the people of that. And of course, we want to um, emphasize the importance of prayer. So then I start getting into some of the nitty gritty with people. You know, I'll, and, and you'll see a number of these in the following questions. When should I arrive the first three nights? You know, typically, whenever you're doing an evangelistic meeting, you're always going to have people showing up early for the first few, first few nights. And so I always recommend people to get there about at least an hour ahead of the starting time, at least an hour ahead of the starting time uh, before the meetings begin for the first three nights. After that, you can you know, come about 30 minutes or so ahead of time. So uh, it's especially important that greeters and registration people arrive early. Why? Because if people come and there's, there's just no one at the door, then you know, that's obviously a problem. That ain't good. That was almost was a problem, but the Lord helped with that. Let me plug this in on the other side here. All right. Um, now I scrolled down here. Can I ask a question? Yes, certainly. Okay. Um, you know, we always recreate the wheel whenever we do a seminar. So is there, do you have any sheets that you can use that say readers, name after, or name and phone number? Um, uh, you know, many the, event, the literature table. So we have different jobs we want people to be. And I think I finally put one on the computer and left it there because it said we're doing this sheet every time. It's ridiculous. Yeah. If the conference has anything like that. Are you, are you saying like uh, just a list? Or like a. Where people are going to serve, what night, what the oh, number is? Yeah. Yeah. Because you yeah. get there and it's like 6 30 yeah. and nobody's there. You're like, who's supposed to be here? Yeah. 
and that list is posted and you call who that is and say, are you coming? And if they're not, then you scramble for someone else, but if they're just going to be late, then they're good to go. So. Yeah. Yeah, we can actually, that's a good idea, we can make those. I mean, I often make those, but I just make it for my meeting and usually delete it. But we can make some formal templates. That'd be good if you want to send me yours, I'll just use yours and save me some time. All right. Um, when should I arrive uh, during the rest of the series? I have a specific time on here, but, you know, which is usually 30 to 45 minutes ahead of the meeting. What should I say and what should I do? I mean, I'm, I'm talking very generally here to my to my helpers but i mean you'd be amazed most of you are the common sense workers in your church but many of the members have no idea of some of these things i mean they just don't even think about them and so it's important to emphasize you know we greeting visitors with a smile a handshake your name and welcome hi my name is wes it's good to see you welcome to jesus on prophecy i forgot to change that from the last meeting i did Get to know them. Ask them questions like, how did you hear about the series? Are you enjoying the series? What is something new that you learned so far? What's been your favorite part? What do you do for work? What things do you do as a hobby? And not that you would ask all those questions in one night, but you, know, you just kind of get to know people, and each night you might ask them a different question, right? And so encourage the members to be engaging with and interacting with those visitors. Make sure they're doing that. And if and if you, as the coordinator, you know, if you see uh, a visitor just kind of standing by themselves or whatever, don't just always be the one that goes over there. Uh, go over there, uh, uh, take somebody with you and say, hey, come with me real quick. And take them over there and say, hey, you know, what is your name? I'll greet them. And I'll say, oh, this is my friend Bill. And, and then I let them start to talk together. And, you know, I'll, I may say, you know, um, Let's say the visitor's name is, you know, Tim. I say, Tim, uh, have you found a place to sit yet tonight? Well, no, I was just coming in. Oh, Bill, would you mind if Tim sat with you this evening? You see what I mean? You just kind of facilitate that and you make sure that you, all those visitors are connected with members and push them on the members, right? <laughs> um, remind them to remind the members to register for the meetings. All the members should register. Why is that important? What's that? So the guests are not singled out. So the are not singled out. Um, we don't, you know, I mean, imagine if you're, and this has happened before, uh, you have the registration table and there's a guest standing there filling out the card and, you know, one of the deacons walk by and they say, hey, could you come and register? They say, oh, no, you know I'm a member here. I've been a member for the last 20 years. I don't need to register. And they just keep on walking. Well, how's that visitor going to feel? Well, I don't want to register either, you know. But if everybody registers, same thing with decision cards. Um, I think, I can't remember if I mentioned this the other day. I mentioned it somewhere. But whenever that time comes for decision and invitation and appeals, and that person is sitting there, and there's this moment, there's this window of time in every evangelistic meeting where people have that conviction upon their heart to make a decision for Christ. And especially when there are those decision cards. When those cards are placed in their hands, the slightest distraction can mess with them. It can throw them out of that window. It can throw them out of that element. And they can just, it, it can be very difficult for them to come back to it, even if at all. And so if they look over and they see you or someone else 
take that decision card and you say, well, I'm a member, so I don't need to do this. And you just take it and shove it in your Bible and put your Bible there and sit and smile for the rest of the appeal. What do you think it's going to encourage them to do? They're going to do the same thing. They're going to say, well, he's not filling it out. And then they look over this way. Oh, she's not filling it out. So I don't need to either. I'm not going to worry about this. Because there's that pressure to make a decision, right? So we're just going to put that away. But if they look over and they see you, is it good for you to make a recommitment to the Lord during those meetings? Is it good for every member to recommit their lives to Jesus? And if they see you checking off, yes, I want to accept Jesus. Yes, I want to recommit my life to Him. Yes, I want to keep the Sabbath or whatever. And they see you doing that, it encourages them to do it as well. So encourage the members to fill out those decision cards and also the registration. Also encourage them to open their Bibles during the meetings. Please don't overwhelm visitors or too many people at once or in a row. People should feel welcome, but don't overdo it, right? I mean, you know, especially if we're in a small church and we have maybe seven, eight, nine members and we have just one visitor that comes in, it can be easy to just kind of latch on, but we don't want either end of the spectrum. We don't want them standing there by themselves and we don't want five or ten people on them at one time either. Um, Making sure that we're not congregating with each other, but connecting with the visitors. We don't want to uh, congregate, we want to connect. Amen? Um, Be watchful for visitors. Avoid using Adventees, even even on your Sabbath morning talks, you know, I typically do. I start with the very first Sabbath of the meetings. I will do my personal testimony and I'll invite people to come on Sabbath morning. But I don't treat it as a worship service. I treat it as a meeting. And I usually like to share my testimony and then I have a, a, a lunch afterwards for the people. Um, and we usually cater that in. You guys know we did that as well. Because I want, to get the, I want to get the people used to coming on Sabbath mornings. And so I usually do. You don't have to do that. But whenever you do do it, I don't say Happy Sabbath until after I cover the subject of the Sabbath, right? You just have to be very, very careful. Ellen White says, uh, Ellen White says, or the Spirit of Prophecy says, or the Mark of the Beast is, or the Antichrist. I remember uh, I was doing a presentation on the Antichrist and I always do it in two parts. I do the, I kind of reveal all the characteristics and I reveal, and I, and I was, I went through the end and I said, you know, we've seen all the, all the points and I wonder, uh, some of you here may know who it is and somebody, some, some, one of the members calls out, it's the Pope like that. I mean, just yelled it out in the meeting and I'm just thinking, man, I'm excited about his enthusiasm, but you know, I wanted the people to think about it overnight, right? And so we got to be careful how we do that. I remember one, another lady, uh, she was a sweet member and there was a visitor in front of her and a visitor behind her. And I was doing one of the early meetings and I was talking about something about all the crime and violence that's on television or something. And she comes out and she says, I'm so thankful. She says, Sister White, says this and says that and and I threw my television away years ago and and I just read the spirit of prophecy all the time and all these visitors are like what is she talking about you know so you just want to be careful you want to encourage the members the reality is that no matter how many times you say it there's always going to be somebody that still does it so you just have to monitor don't don't come down on them but encourage them um 
you know, be care- encourage the members not to get ahead of the speaker in the subjects. Even if people ask. Sometimes people think that when some, it's, it might be on, you might be on night number two and someone asks about the Sabbath, they think, oh, this is my chance to tell them everything. Well, we, we don't want to do that. We want to follow the speaker. Just remind the guest that, uh, hey, we have a future subject coming up on that. I think the speaker is going to cover that in an upcoming uh, meeting. Why don't you put that in a question box? Um, very important. I mentioned not getting up or moving during appeals. It's very crucial that you do not do that and encourage the members not to do that because it does create that element of distraction. Um, if you know that you have to get up towards the end of the meeting or maybe you have a, you know, a bladder problem or something and you, know you have to get up a lot, make sure you sit in the back so that way you're not going to be doing uh, that, uh, causing a distraction. Um, what should I wear if I'm helping? You know, wear neat pants, neat clothing. Where should I park? You know, whatever your needs are, you'll go over that with the church. What would the nightly schedule be? I always go over the nightly schedule with them. Now, you may not, you may not start at 7 o'clock. You may start at 6.30. You may start at 7.15. I always like to start my meetings at 6.45 because it's late enough that people can get there after work, but it's, uh, but it's early enough that we still have a nice cushion if I tend to go over, which I often do. Um, so go over with them the nightly schedule and let them know exactly what's going to be happening. If you're going to take up an offering, talk to them about that. Uh, talk a little bit about the greeters. And what you may be able to do is let your head person, your head greeter come up and just talk a little bit about the greeting. Um, and then your registration person. But they shouldn't talk for too long. Uh, but you want to just let people know what's going on with a greeting and make sure that everyone's clear on that. Uh, the registration side as well. Um, you know, we have in the, in the, um, in the, the coordinator handbook, there is a section on greeting and there's a section on uh, registration and it tells you exactly those jobs to do. Um, I explained the Bible school. Uh, I talked about a little bit about the Bible school yesterday that you can have a table set up for people to come and, and do the Bible lessons each night. Encourage the members to also do those. Just say, these are not just for the visitors, but you'll also gain a blessing out of them. So I encourage the members because it gets them studying the Bible every day. For some of them, they're not doing that. Um, and explain the process of how that works, that they'll get a special gift. I still get, even if the members go through the lessons, I give them the gift and I give them the certificate because... Um, Sometimes they'll get mad if you don't. <laughs> um, I explained the free gifts. You know, you might be doing a nightly drawing each night. You might just be doing uh, gifts by attendance. You know, after five nights, you get a Bible. After ten nights, you get a book or whatever. Um, I usually will try to, you know, it depends on my budget, but I tell the members, look, if you've if you've already got a you know, let me just explain it this way. There are members that are very faithful and they will come to every evangelistic meeting and they'll come every night. And we praise the Lord for those. And there, but there are some folk who come and they want to get all the gifts. And they would, they would, they would sacrifice a visitor just so that they could get that gift. You know, they would, 
rather have it than the visitor. And it might be a desire of ages, but they've got 14 of them home on their shelf. They say, you know, the last 14 years I got this same book every time and I got to keep my collection going. And so with those folk, I don't try to fight them. Okay, I'm not trying to fight them. However, I encourage the members not to take the gifts unless they just feel a burning in their heart to take it. I don't shame them if they do. I'm not going to pick on them, but encourage them. We want those gifts to really try to go to the visitors. Um, if they'll genuinely use it or give it away to someone else, then fine. They can take it, but just do that. The resource table we mentioned, I'm going to put that up on the website. and You want to be ordering those items coming up in uh, July and August. You want to order those items for the resource table. Some would be free, some would be at a small discounted price so that you can earn back some of the money that you spend on those. And it's not very difficult to do. You have the table up, people can come and, and, and get that. You have a person manning that. And if, um, you know, if there's not enough people in your church, you can put that little table beside the registration table and let the registration pay, uh, people help with that and take care of that. But uh, you want to make sure you always have some free additional resources and then some for sale. There's something about selling things at times. People value that more so than even sometimes free things. Um, visitation. We'll talk more about this. But the, during the series, you're going to want to be taking people packets and lessons and CDs that give them the information should they miss a night. That's why it's so important to be tracking your attendance. Okay, Tracking that online, you'll be able to do that. I'll talk about, I'm not going to go through all the rest of this so detailedly, but I'll talk about the baptismal classes. When will people be baptized? Uh, will we have fellowship meals during the service? The phase two meetings, I'll explain what's happening there. Um, you know, every new baptized member will receive the welcome book and the discipleship handbook of their baptism. Each member will receive a tour of the church and be introduced to the various aspects of the church. Each member will be, I used to do that. Um, whenever we would have uh, visitors that were baptized, we'd give them a tour of the church. We'd give them a church directory. We'd give them all the things that they need to be set up. Uh, they'll be counseled to be involved in service and ministry and introduced to the ministries of the church. They'll be assigned a mentor who will meet with them weekly and go through the discipleship handbook together. Wednesday night Bible study will be part of their discipleship process. So I encourage the members to be coming to what? To prayer meeting. All right. Uh, then I take Q&A. We have a special season of prayer. Then I encourage the departmental leaders, the registration people, the greeters, the children's people, whatever, to be meeting together to make sure that all of their things are taken care of. Does that make sense? To make sure that their stuff is in order and ready to go. And again, you may select some of those leaders to give a little brief report upon what they're doing and how they're organizing things. And it just brings a sense of unity when everybody knows what others are doing. Not that they have to know every minute detail, but when they know generally what others are doing, it brings that sense of, hey, man, we're, we're a part of something big. This is why I like evangelistic meetings. Some people say, oh, here we go with a 20-something 20, 20 night campaign again. But this is what I love. You have men's ministry. You have women's ministry. You have pathfinders. You have whatever else. You know, 
and all the departments in the church. But this is the one time outside of the worship service on Sabbath morning when we actually come together in every capacity to do a united effort for the Lord's work. Does that make sense? I mean, every department is doing their events. And we may do some things together. We may do some outreaches or whatever. But this is where we're coming together to do a collective, unified effort. And it takes every piece of the church. Amen? Amen. Amen. Any questions about that? Um, yeah, you know, so uh, you're, you're seeing some interest in some people who I have interest in uh, baptism. Mm-hmm. And the Jesus Prophet seminar, seminars, when would you begin? Yeah, it talks about that in the handbook, but roughly about halfway through the meetings that you will start to uh, schedule the baptismal classes. And in the handbook, they're broken up uh, into the different baptismal classes. There's usually about 10 or so. But when you get about halfway through, you'll start doing those about 15 to 20 minutes before the meeting begins on the same nights of the meetings, and you'll cover in your baptismal class the subjects that you've already covered in the meetings. Does that make sense? Now, if you're doing a really small meeting, and you have, like we had, only a handful of people coming, then I'll just usually meet with those people either individually or just in a little group. Um, I don't always make a big fuss about it if it's a smaller meeting. So it just depends upon your series. I mean, when I was at Lansing, we had, you know... 50 guests coming and 10 or 12 people interested in baptism. So we had a class and I would always invite, it's very important to do that, invite all the people to come. I say, hey, you may not be planning for baptism, but you may just want to review the things we've covered and study a little bit more. You're also welcome to come. You don't have to be deciding for baptism. But you know, later on, they may make that decision and they've already been through that. Does that make sense? And so I always make sure that I invite everyone to come to that. I invite the members as well. Of course, in the meeting, you don't want to say, and the church members should come too, but we just say we want to invite everyone. And during my organizational meeting, I let them know that during the baptismal meetings, they should and are encouraged to come to those. Okay? Does that help answer your question? Anyone else? This will be on the website, so... Yes? Uh, at our church, some of them do not know white English. Yeah. Yeah. They cannot what? Register. Register. And you may have to take that registration card and translate it. Um, I I don't know Kitty Wanden, so it's hard for me to register to translate it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you can translate that and then you know, on your, make your own little card and then print those off. And you may have to do more of the bare bones things when you're translating, but you know, your registration card and you know, the baptismal um, class items, um, you know, like as far as the nightly handouts and things, if you, have, if you have the time to translate it, great, but otherwise you may have to give them the English one, and then encourage them yeah. to have someone. Well, for some days, yes. English and other, other days, Yes, that's right, that's right. You can't translate them? Yeah, we have to do that. 
He's talking, yeah, he's talking about printed materials. Yeah. So let's go on and talk a little bit about visitation. Visitation is a thing that people tend to shy away from, and they think, oh, the pastor will take care of that, right? But I really want to encourage you to be a part of that because, and encouraging your members. Now, you may have some people in your church that will quickly volunteer to do visitation, but you kind of have to qualify them. Um, not everybody has that gift. Not that, and let me just say, it doesn't take. There's not a, a few elite people that can do visitation. I would say the majority of the church could do visitation. However, there may be some in the church that probably should not do visitation, okay? And, and, and the, way, the best way to handle them is to not just say no, but just say, you know, I really need some help with this. Could you help me with this? That's where I really need the most help in this area. Does that make sense? Now, we don't want to hurt people's feelings and want to be having the love of Christ, but we, gotta, you know, we also got to be mindful of folks that do that. Um, but when you look at the topics, really, of any evangelistic series, those topics get deeper and broader as you go along in the meetings. And typically, the, the, the series can even be broken up into segments of, of, of topics that really kind of go together and that are drawing people to certain decisions. Does that make sense? And so when you look at, I've kind of just have this little visitation guide here. Um, it divides it up by week and topic, and this is on the website already. And it kind of gives you the goal for each visitation. Now, I don't typically visit people within the first couple of days of the meetings. I don't, when it says here week one, I don't usually visit people until uh, I'm getting towards the end of the first week, okay? But in the first week, you have, you know, these five topics. Uh, Jesus unfolds today, prophecy unfolds today, which is signs of the times, the final world superpower, which is Daniel 2. This is, third one is on the great controversy. This is on salvation. And this is, um, this is on, what's that? Five to seven weeks ahead. Yeah, I think that's what it is. It's the, the 70 weeks. I'm trying to figure out. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. 70 weeks and 2300 days. Thank you. And so the visitation goal, uh, you can see here, invite, invitees or pre-registrants who have not come. Uh, so in my first week, I'm still trying to get people there that, haven't, that I've invited or that pre-registered who haven't come. So what do I do? The first couple nights, after the first two nights, I have a letter ready. And I'll mail all my pre-registrants a letter just to remind them to come. The second thing that I do is I'll call those people. If a pre-registration, because you'll see all those on the website, you'll have a list of those. If you see people on there that have not come to the meetings, I give them a quick call. Hi, this is Wes from Jesus on Prophecy, and we saw that you had pre-registered on the website to attend the, you know, the Port Sanilac uh, site. And we just want to remind you that the meetings have started uh, on Friday or Monday night, and we want to encourage you to come. Tomorrow night's topic is 
this and just give them a real quick uh, phone number. Just let them know that the meetings have started. We would love to see you. And our future topic is this. Make sense? Um, and I can have a, uh, a little canvas on the website as well. People who respond, uh, so those are the, that's the first group of people that we're trying to visit. And mostly, I don't go to their homes. I mail them, I might mail them a letter and I give them a phone call, okay? Second group of people are people who respond to the decision card on salvation. So there will be a decision card, I forget, I think it's the fourth night maybe, um, and there may be people who respond to that and they accept, want to accept Jesus for the first time. I'll, I will go immediately and start to visit those people. And so as the coordinator, you're going to work with the speaker to decide who's going to do the visitation of what names. Okay, does that make sense? And you're going to divide those up amongst the people who are able and willing to go visiting. Guests who, who miss two or more consecutive meetings. So maybe you have some people that come the first night, they come the second night, but then the third night they're missing. What are we going to do? Nope. We're going to pray for them. I don't typically call or visit people who miss one night because you don't want them to freak out and think, oh, if I don't make it one night, they're going to show up at my house. You know what I mean? Because if they, but when they miss two nights, then I will try to visit them, stop in, and when I say do a visit, I think it's written here, this is a brief, casual pop visit at the door. I'll bump by their place. I'll have in my hand the lessons and the CD or DVD that they missed. And I just say, hey, you know, I was just in the neighborhood, thought I'd stop by, wanted to drop off the lessons that you missed. We sure have missed you the last couple of nights and hope to see you back tomorrow night or whenever the next meeting is. We're gonna, and then I tell them what that study is, okay? Um, it's a good opportunity to get acquainted, build friendships. Uh, always, I don't know why that got cut off, but uh, always leave, don't wear out your welcome. Always leave pretty quickly from those visits. So have for them those, those materials, drop them off to them and encourage them to come back. You may, you may find one out of about 20 people that are not happy that you came to their door. But you'll find that a lot of people don't mind. Especially if you, as, soon as, you, as soon as you get to the door and they answer the door and say, hey, I'm Wes from Jesus on Prophecy, and they may say, oh. Or they may say, oh, yeah, wow, wow, I can't believe you come to visit me. Or, or they may say, oh, it's weird that you're here. Most people don't say that. But I always <laughs> preface it. I have had people say that. I have had people say that. But, um, but most people don't. But I preface it by saying, you know, I can't stay very long, but when you say that, it just instantly relieves all kinds of things, okay? I can't stay long, but I wanted to just drop off the two study guides and, and CDs that you missed the last couple nights here. I want to encourage you to come back tomorrow night. We're going to be studying this, and uh, we hope to see you there. If you have any questions, please feel free to give us a ring and, um, and then leave that stuff with them and go, Okay. All right, so that's the first week. Those are the three categories of people that you're trying to visit. Those that pre-registered but didn't come. And again, those people get phone calls, not so much a visit. People who responded to the decision card on salvation and people who have missed two nights. Now, I'll tell you, 
There's been times when I've had like my best interest at the meeting coming every night. And then we hit a real crucial subject like the Sabbath or the Mark of the Beast or something. And all of a sudden the next night they're not there. And I'm just like sweating bullets and I'm thinking, oh Lord, what happened? You know, maybe something happened to them. And, and I, my temptation is to call them or whatever. And then I pray. And then, you know, like the next night is a night off and or whatever. And I, I might give them a phone call. They don't answer. And I leave a voicemail. And then the next night, I'm thinking, you know, they're just gone. There they are at the meeting. Oh yeah, you know, I had to work late last night and I couldn't make it and whatever. So don't, don't try to read into things. You understand? Just keep praying, keep trusting, visit at the right times and ask the Lord to help guide that process. Alright, now, so out of these three groups, which one do you think is the top priority? Hmm? Yeah, your top priority are always the people that are currently attending and who are making decisions. Even out of all the people that are attending, out of all of those, your highest priority are the people that have made decisions. And they said, yes, I want to do this, or I have more questions, or I have, I'm having a struggle with this, or whatever. Those are your top people. The people that attend and never fill out a decision card, they're a priority, but they're not your number one priority. So you have, I mean, it's not like we're dealing with, you know, quality control on a car manufacturing plant, but nevertheless, you do need to do what we call qualifying or categorizing your interest. Who are the people that are the highest potential or the ripest fruit, we like to call? And those are the people I want to focus the most of my time on. Then I spend some time with the others and a little time with the next group and on so forth. Does that make sense? All right. So the second week, we have new topics. We have the, uh, the judgment hour, which is not a real huge topic, but it is significant. Uh, Jesus on life without hypocrisy is going to be on sanctification. Jesus on bearing the past is on baptism. Jesus on the Antichrist is what it is. And then the Antichrist agenda is the Ten Commandments. Okay, So it's not a huge week of objectionable or difficult topics for people. Does that make sense? But these are topics that are important that are preparing people for future topics. Okay, So how, what's my visitation go on week two? Those who have responded, obviously, to decision cards, always. Those who have requested a visit on some of the cards, they'll say, I would like to have a visit. Or, uh, you know, if, if, it, if, your if you use a different set of decision cards and it doesn't say that, you can have people flip them over and write V on the back. And that means I would like to visit with the speaker or, or whatever. But those who have missed two consecutive nights, always, those who have requested baptism or rebaptism, obviously we're covering that subject. So if a person requests baptism, we want to follow up with that and affirm that decision with them, begin to answer any questions that they have, um, and remind them that the baptismal class is going to be coming up very soon. Make sense? Okay. Any questions about yeah. that so far? Yes. Uh, number nine is on the Antichrist. Uh -huh. It doesn't sound like that will be identified. 
It will be. It will be. It will be. Yeah. Yeah. It will be. Usually I like to do that in two nights, but but because we we had to condense. Yes, sir. On the visitation, you get people who missed two nights in a row. Uh huh. Is it the same people that missed the two nights previous? Did you still go back to them, or did you let them go? You know, if if I've invited them, if I've stopped in and and uh, and I've connected with them and invited them back, maybe they came back one night and then they missed another two nights. I probably would go visit them. But you, you, again, you have to gauge it depending upon your time. Um, you know, and you may, that may not be a visit that the speaker would make. I'm going to visit, as the speaker, I'm going to visit those people that said, yes, I want baptism or whatever. Um, but that could be a visit that some of the other members could make to go and encourage them to come back, build that friendship. And you're going to have people that will sporadically come to the meetings. I mean, they'll come, they'll come on night two, and then they won't come back till night six. And then they'll come back on night 11. And they're, they're just hit and miss, you know. And so, you know, we want to connect with those people, but they're not on the highest priority. Now, we'll try to do Bible studies with those people as we get towards the end of the meetings. Um, so, uh, so the other thing is that if they have... Cut, if they miss two nights and then they come back and then they miss, I could also call them if I can't visit them. That's another option as well. All right, so the primary purpose for these visits is to get better acquainted and ascertain the interest level. Um, again, you know, if people are really excited about the meetings, you know, they're saying, man, I'm learning so much and I want to follow Jesus and these things are great. Obviously, those are higher interest. They're coming every night. Um, they're, they're making decisions. They're filling out the cards. Even if, even if they check on the card, you know, oh, I, I've accepted Jesus, but I want to recommit to Him. Or I've been, ba- I've been baptized, but I want to rededicate my life. Those are still decisions. They may not realize at that point in time that God is calling them to more, but they'll see that later on, you see. But you can gauge, and I'll talk a little bit here, maybe tomorrow, about the uh, level of um, the different forms of conviction that come upon people's hearts. All right, then you go into the third week. Now, Jesus on religious tradition, part one and two. What do you think that might be if that follows the Ten Commandments? It's going to be the Sabbath. Now, is that a subject that's going to start to... Like, whoa, there's something I haven't heard before. You know, there's something that, that I could see is going to start impacting my life, right? And though you go on to, uh, this is going to be Babylon, the rapture, death is a huge one for people. Ah. I think it went to my screensaver. Uh, the thousand years in the lake of fire, that's not so much. But the Sabbath and death are two big ones for people. Now, I've found very interestingly that the Sabbath is... It used to be years ago that you'd get to the Sabbath and you'd have a huge drop-off in attendance. It's not so much the case anymore for most speakers. The Sabbath is easy for people to accept. It's actually the keeping of the Sabbath that they struggle with. And I don't, when I say that, I don't mean like buying and selling, but I mean like actually revolving their life around not working, not seeking their own pleasure and that kind of thing. 
But death is one that is really huge for people. People struggle with that more than almost any other subject that I found. And the reason is because the increase of spiritualism that's taking place in the world. The movies, the television, uh, you know, the books and all kinds of things that are out there has really, I mean, you can see, I mean, I've been doing meetings for, I don't know, 15 years, but in the last five to 10 years, you can see a real shift in the way that people think about it. I mean, and I've had people say to me, Pastor Wes, I have no doubts that what you're saying is in the Bible, but I have trouble believing that. It's like, what do you mean? It's in the Bible, but they're like, what you say makes sense. What you say is written in Scripture. I can see it from the very lips of Jesus. But I know that my grandmother appeared to me. I mean, or, or whatever. They say, I, I, I cannot accept that my dead loved one is not... I mean, just spiritualism is pervading more and more and it's preparing people for exactly what the book of Revelation says is going to happen. Yes. What my friend struggled with was you're the only people who believe that. Yeah. And all the rest of the people that read the Bible yeah. believe state of the dead differently yeah. than what you do. Well, I tell them they used to believe it like us. <laughs> and if you look at most of the, uh, the churches in the 1800s, many of them, Believe that truth. You can find grave marks and everything else. Brother-in-law, that's surprising because he believed in the state of the dead. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So there are people out there that will see it and grasp onto it. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's people that will accept it. He never went to any any meetings or anything like that, but he just he was on study. Yes. 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 But this will be the the subject that you find people have the most disagreement on. Yes. Is there a time where we might address spiritualist increase in our prophecy? Yeah, I mean, the subject, we'll talk about it briefly, but we don't have an individual topic on it. Yeah, I think you're right. Maybe even as a pre-subject, even a pre-subject to that, and then kind of recap it after. I don't know. Are these all new lessons? Um... Well, let me explain this to you. Yes and no. Um, I, we were planning to write a whole new set of sermons and have a whole new set of slides. As we got into that, we realized that we were, because all of us have other things to do, not just write sermons for eight to ten hours a day, which if we did, would be easy to do. But um, we tried, with that schedule, we tried to pack about a two and a half year thing into about six or seven months and that didn't work too well. <laughs> so we are doing some sermons that have been preached before by other people. It is written has a as a set that's new and it's pretty nice. They have nice graphics and things. So I'm taking that set and I'm adding elements to it. So what are we actually going to pass out to people who are using what do you mean? Oh, there is a le there are lessons um, that go with each topic, and I was showing those the other day. Uh, and whenever you've ordered the nightly handouts from Hamblin, that's what you'll get. And but the the lessons will line up with each topic. Okay. All right. So in the week three, uh, we are looking at those topics again. Those who have responded to decision cards, those who have requested a visit, those who have missed two nights, those who have been regularly attending. 
and those who have been requesting baptism or rebaptism. Now, when it comes here, I strive to visit every person. After the Sabbath, I strive to visit every person because I want to know what are, you, what are they thinking about uh, the subjects that they're hearing, especially the Sabbath. And so I'll, you know, as a speaker, I'll try to, you know, the speaker will usually visit the highest interest. And I will, you know, when I'm there, I'll ask them if I can meet with them. I'll try to schedule a, a lunch appointment with them. And I, I want to find out what questions they're having, what doubts. And tomorrow I'll show you some things about how to do that, how to figure that out. Um, but I try to visit every person and they may have questions, they may have objections, they may have troubles that are hindering them, and you have to work through those things with them. Does that make sense? And I wish I could say more about that, but I can't say more without actually going into the depths of it, which I'll do a little bit tomorrow. Yes, Eric. On our last <clears throat> seminar, we had two gentlemen come in that went through all of week two, mm -hmm. one, two, and three, but when it came on the Sabbath, they dropped right off. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, we was concerned because they were so consistent. was a tough one for them, right? And yeah, and you're going to have people that, that struggle with that. And you do the best you can to connect with them and try to answer questions for them and help them see and just encourage them to keep coming. Say, hey, you know, just because you may disagree with one doesn't mean you can't keep coming. Um, but you can still come, you can still learn, and we can talk through these things. And, um, and you try your best to keep encouraging them. Um, you don't want to try to argue with them, but some people just have that. But most people these days will keep coming. Did I see a hand over here? Okay. Yes? Well, when you have Sabbath, do you talk about the change from Sabbath to Sunday, or Sunday to Sabbath, or Sabbath to Sunday? Do um, you have two nights in this? Yeah, that's, that's part two is the change. That's good because sometimes they're too far apart to see. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yep, it's the next night, and we'll have a decision card on that night. Um, and then the next night kind of talks about uh, Babylon and how they're that system in Revelation 17. All right, so then you move into week four. And again, those who are always your top priority are those who are responding to decision cards are requested a visit, those who have missed two meetings. And so the primary purpose of these visits is to clear up objections, gain decisions, and begin preparing for baptism. So the, this last week is very crucial because you, you, know, you talk about the issues at the end of time. Um, and then when you come to the true church, it's very important because you, you want to emphasize to the people to be there for that night. Because that's the night when everything comes together. And they see that all these truths that they've been learning about that may be conflicting with their church or conflicting with other ideas that they've had before, all those truths are coming together in one place and now they know where they can go to follow those Bible truths. 
right? Um, and so it's very important that after, especially this topic, well, the mark of the beast and um, the true church topic, that you are in the homes visiting with people or setting up appointments with them in some capacity to visit with them. By this time, I mean, your crowd has dwindled and people say, well, why? We must not be doing something right because we start out with this big crowd and then after the first week, it keeps going down. Have you ever read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? You know, the Bible talks about in John chapter 6, he had some hard sayings. Many of his disciples turned and walked with him no more, it says. John 6, verse 66. I call it John 666, right? And so that even happened to Jesus. You're always going to start with his people and they're going to drain up. But you're going to find the people at the end that have a real spiritual desire and a real spiritual interest to do that. So then week five, you know, the same thing. We're going to, you might have a couple extra subjects there and we're going to continue to work with those people. You know, people, you'll find that as you build relationships with people, they will be willing and open to, to dialogue with you. And you want to reason, and I'm telling you, like, there have been times when I have, when I have, I don't want to, how I say this, pulled all of my tools out of my bag and I've given all of my points, I've used all of my little biblical techniques to call them to decision and things, and they're just not there. And they say, I just, and I spend like the whole night in prayer for them, and the next day I see them come to that place. And, and there, is a, there is a power that God can, that God can provide to move upon the heart that you can't do. It has to be God that changes their minds. We're going to present the truth and we're going to point to them the Scripture. We're going to show them uh, you know, what God is asking them, but it's only the power of God that can transform and change the heart. And time after time, I've been in homes with people and there's been times that I haven't prayed as much as I should and I've lost the battle. Just because you lose the battle doesn't mean you didn't pray enough, though. Okay, so I don't want you to think that. If they don't make a decision doesn't mean you did, always did something wrong. But I'm just telling you, when you press the throne of God, you'll see Him move hearts. You'll see people come back to the meetings. I mean, you'll just see miracles happen. And uh, it's always amazing when, you're, when you are the coordinator of the meeting or you're the speaker of the meeting and you're just kind of watching all of these people, they can't see what's going on, but you'll see that many times all hell will kind of break loose when people are coming to the meetings in their lives. I mean, they'll have their vehicle will break down, the hot water tank will bust, or you know, something happens, and you'll see it happen to multiple people, and you know what's happening. That's the time to go to the knees. I mean, their cousin, their third cousin that they've not seen in 35 years will show up and say, oh, what have you been doing lately? Oh, well, I've been going the last two and a half weeks to these meetings. Well, what meetings? Well, they talk about this. Oh, those people are Adventists. They're a cult. You shouldn't go there. They haven't seen this person in three decades, and all of a sudden they show up at their house right in the middle of the series. I mean, it's just mind-blowing the things that will happen. And that gives me as a speaker, more energy and more zeal because I know that the great... What's that? 
they're right at that point. And I know that that great controversy is, is, is real. I mean, it's taking place. I mean, those things don't happen by coincidence, you understand. And it helps me to realize, Lord, we're in a spiritual warfare. We're not just doing some nice little cute meeting here, but we're in spiritual warfare. And we need to be on our knees pleading with the Spirit of God because He's the one that's going to give the power. He's the one that's going to change the heart. It's not going to be us. If we just go through the meeting and do our own little thing, if we just kind of... It's awkward when they come in and take pictures of you, but uh, don't worry about it, brother. It's okay. But if we're just doing our own little thing and we're not recognizing and understanding the fact that this is a serious issue, then we can go through the whole meeting and put a whole lot of work in to have a very little result. And the result may not always come right at the end of the meeting. The results may come later on down the road, but God is faithful. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Amen? You have to remember that during evangelistic meetings, we're not simply reaping, we're also what? So we're also sowing. Amen? And there's a lot of cultivating to do uh, after the meetings for those who come to the meetings right off the street. And so the, it used to be years ago, I mean, years and years ago, I mean, you could do these meetings and at the end of the series, you'd have this crop of people who just came from night one and they were ready for, they were ready for baptism in four weeks. But these days... People have all kinds of issues that have to be worked through. It's a very much a longer process. And we need not become discouraged by it. We just need to press forward and press the throne of God. Amen? Amen. All right. I think that we are out of time for today. So tomorrow, I mean, it goes by quick, I know. But tomorrow I'm going to take you through uh, some very key uh, principles for doing visitation. And then we'll also talk about uh, what to do after the meeting and towards the end of the meeting. Okay? All right. Well, let's have prayer together, guys, and then we're going we're gonna to close up. Father in heaven, we thank you for this time. We ask your Holy Spirit to be with us as we continue to prepare. And we just pray that your precious blessing would be upon us. And Lord, that as we labor for souls, that we would have a rich experience and a one that draws us and them closer to you, and that we would gain friends for eternity. This is our prayer, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.com dot org.